You're listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast, a show for authors who want to learn innovative ways to sell more books. I am James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. And I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., and you can call me Mr. Umstadt. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to talk about what to do when your book is not selling, which I, Thomas, this is a good topic because that has happened to uh, authors from time to time. That's right. So if you have ever wondered why your book's not selling or why it's not selling as much as you would like to, we are going to break down and explain why books sell and why books don't sell in a systematic way that you can know exactly what the problem is and how to fix it. And our inspiration today comes from a question from listener Gerard, who asks, I write Christian nonfiction self-help books, and I've just completed my first novel. I've subscribed to a fancy author web, web, uh, WordPress theme, and I've worked for more than three months full time to make it gorgeous. Number two, I write Goodreads reviews. Number three, I've got Twitter. I've got Facebook. I've got Instagram, Pinterest pages, all of them set up and rolling. I've even prettied up my Amazon book descriptions. I've got reader funnels going. Those are set up to grow my email lists. I really want to serve these folks. Um, my chronic pain book is free forever. So he's got it set on perma-free. Here's the problem, guys. Bopkiss. The needle is not moving. Not one visitor. I've sold one measly book per month for years and years now, and I'm sick of it. What can I do except hold up passerbys at gunpoint and force them to visit my site? So first off, Gerard, I feel your pain and uh, I know exactly what the problem is. <laughs> and those of you who are longtime listeners, just from this question, you probably can tell what the answer is as well. Uh, because if, if you are um, fluent in marketing, you can see what is missing from the recipe. And the reason why books don't sell uh, comes down to just two things. And uh, spoiler, neither of them is how pretty your website is. So it's either <laughs> a broken marketing funnel. And uh, we have a whole book marketing 101 episode on marketing funnels. You can listen to it. Episode 118 or it's poor book slash reader fit. And so we're going to explain both of these uh, for you because what the problem is depends on the book and depends on the author. Uh, but Gerard, we're going to tell you exactly what the issue is for you and how to fix it because it's very fixable. Um, so let's talk about uh, book slash reader fit or product market fit, which is what this is called in the business world. And this is a kind of a nice way of saying whether or not your book is a quote, good book or not. Now, uh, the reason why we use this term rather than the term good book is because what good is depends on the reader. Like quality is subjective. Uh, what is good in one genre is terrible in another genre. What is good for one group of readers is considered terrible for another group of readers. And so it, it, I wish that there was some like objective standard of quality, right? And all books are held up to To Kill a Mockingbird as like the pinnacle of excellence. And the closer you adhere to the standard, if you do this, you will be a bestseller. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. The closer you adhere to that standard, the better your book is in an objective sense. But that's just not the case. Uh, there are books that are very different from To Kill a Mockingbird that are also uh, popular with readers and are also well written. Uh, so 
it, I, I realize it's not helpful to tell you to read, to write a better book <laughs> because that's not, not necessarily the problem. But you do need to have a good book to reader fit. You need to know that your book fits with the readers you're trying to reach. Yeah, it's it, it, that's a really good point, Thomas, because a book like The Da Vinci Code, which has been out for a long time now, it was a gazillion seller and still continues to sell massive amounts of copies from a clinical viewpoint. It's a horribly written book, <laughs> but it was a great fit for this audience that wanted this adventure and wanted this thriller and this intrigue. So you make a really good point when you say it's, it's hard to say, Oh, just write better. Although I will say working on your craft, working on quality, sending your book out to beta readers, getting feedback from the readers who would read your book still is a critical component of this whole thing. Absolutely. Good marketing helps a bad book fail faster. And the the most common form of poor book reader fit is a poor book. Uh, that, that's not always the case. And we'll, we're going to walk through all of the ways that you can have poor book slash reader fit and how to fix it. Uh, so it, it may not be craft, but it may be craft. And if you're wanting help with the craft part of the marketing um, package, we actually talk a lot about craft in our five-year plan. So the first couple of years of our of our plan to become a best-selling author really focus on craft. There's no shortcuts there. You have to become a good writer first. Yeah. And so for those of you who are on the fence whether or not to go through uh, the five-year plan, realize it is comprehensive. We don't just cover marketing. We also cover craft. But let's talk about some specific elements of poor uh, book reader fit. And the first is the wrong cover. Uh, and this is probably the most common uh, or, or the most flagrant when this gets done wrong. Uh, the most important thing for a book cover typically is to communicate uh, a promise to the reader and to communicate a genre and to identify what kind of book it is and what kind of reader it's for. And if you have a the wrong cover, you may have written the right book for the right audience. But if the cover communicates that it's a different kind of book, right, you're writing a romance, but the cover says this is a thriller or you're writing a thriller and the cover says that this is a romance, no one's going to get past that cover to find out and your book's not going to sell. And there's nothing you can do to fix it until you fix the cover. So Jim, what do you do if you find out that you have the wrong cover? <laughs> you start working with a cover design designer that not only understands graphics, but hopefully understands the motivations of readers in terms of what is going to appeal to those readers. So as Thomas was saying, if you've got dragons and spaceships on the cover of your book, you better have dragons and spaceships inside. So a good cover designer will draw that out of you and will understand. They don't have to read the book. It's not that, but they will understand the feeling, the mood, what a reader is going to come away with. And so with that type of expertise, you can design a cover that absolutely goes to the core of the emotional experience that that reader is expecting and wanting. Yeah. Good cover design is more like designing a cereal box for a grocery store shelf than it is painting a painting for the Louvre. And I know that that is hard to hear, but the goal of a cover is to sell the book, which is the same goal as the cover of a cereal box. It's more package design than it is art. We have a couple of uh, very popular episodes on book covers, episode 107 uh, and 106. Uh, we talk about book covers um, and how to make them amazing. And we'll put uh, links to that in the show notes. And, and one more re real quickly. 
what is the cover for Thomas in the end? What is the cover? What do you want to design that cover to do? And essentially you want that cover to get somebody, if you're in a bookstore to turn the book over and read the back cover copy. That's the essential task that that cover has to accomplish. That's right. And uh, one way to, you can actually use a data-driven approach on this. As you get uh, mock-ups of your cover from your designer, you can buy ads for that uh, book and test, see which cover gets the most clicks. And this is far more effective than posting covers on Facebook and asking people to tell you their opinions uh, because people are terrible at knowing what they like and their opinions are, they're going to give you reasons for those opinions and you'll get designed by a committee and you'll end up with a terrible cover. And we don't recommend that. But if you use data and you're not asking people for their opinion, you're asking people to click or not, right? And you you can see objectively, wow, this cover got you know, 20% clicks and this other cover got 2% clicks. So maybe we're going to go with the cover that got the 20% clicks, even though I don't know. And and here's what's crazy. You don't have to know why it's more effective. You just need to know that it gets more clicks. So that's the first element of poor uh, book reader fit. The second goes right along with it, and it's the back cover copy. So this is how, this is the text on the back of your book. It's what you use to describe what your book is about, what's in the book. And if you get this wrong, um, you're either, you know, not making a promise people care about, right? You're, you're promising something you're like, ah, I don't want that, right? Have you ever read the back of your book? And like, ah, this book's not for me. Or uh, you're promising it in the wrong way. What are some other mistakes people make about this, Jim? Well, we say hire a professional to craft new back cover copy. You have to actually go deeper than that. That's not enough. You have to hire the right professional to craft your back cover copy. And here's what I mean by that. Please don't just go out and say, all right, I'm, I, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. And I'm going to spend that money and I'm going to hire somebody to write the back cover copy. They might not be very good at it simply because they say, I write back cover copy. Uh, gosh, I would not take them at their word. What I would do is I'd say, gosh, uh, I, I, I'd like to work with you, but first, can you send me six or 10 of the back cover copy that you have written? And then you're going to read that and study that as a reader and ask yourself, am I intrigued? Am I going, oh my gosh, I got to read this book. I at least have to open it up and read a few pages. I, I guess what I'm saying is just don't, uh, don't marry the, the, the first girl that you dance with. Take the time to find somebody that understands what you're writing, has a passion for the kind of things you're writing, can show you I've done this before for other people and I've done it successfully. And we have an episode all on back cover copy that you can listen to, episode 111. So a lot of these things are topics that we've talked about specifically. And you can use ads to split test your back covers, just like you or the back cover copy, uh, or at least blurbs of it, just like you can with covers. And we have an episode on that as well. So we have lots of links to lots of other episodes in the show notes today. So that is episode 172 uh, for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, the next area of product market fit is more about the market. And this is where you don't know your readers. A lot of uh, authors write the kind of book that they want to read, and they don't spend any time getting to know real life readers that are other than themselves. And the result of this is that their books can become overly idiosyncratic to themselves rather to 
than to the reader. And so um, you want to hang out with those readers. If you're writing military science fiction, you want to find out where military science fiction readers hang out and talk about military science fiction with each other, not to promote your book, at least not at first, but to get to know them, right? What do they like? What do they not like? What tropes get them excited? If you're writing for people with chronic pain, you know, find the communities of people who are experiencing chronic pain online and listen, get to know them, get to know the questions that they're asking and then answer those questions in your book. And then, and this is the kicker, interact with your target readers in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Digital marketing is not the only kind of marketing and the real world is really important because the real world is really all there is. At the end of the computer is still a real human being. And the better you understand and know that real human being, the better you can cater to what they're looking for in your marketing and with your book and the better of a fit your book will be for that reader who's a real person. One of the ways you can do this, and this is more general, this is not specific to your genre because the odds of this happening could potentially be low. But join a book club if you've never joined one before and go and listen to these people talk about fiction, talk about books. This could be nonfiction as well. What motivates them? What did they not like? You'll, you would learn a ton if you've never been part of a book club to basically eavesdrop on that conversation and get really inside the heads of readers. All right. The next um, part of poor product market fit or poor book reader fit is the wrong target readers. You're just writing to the wrong audience. I don't see this very often where an author just gets their audience wrong. Um, Sometimes they get an audience and the initial audience doesn't like it, but other audiences do like it. But I don't see that very often. Uh, But it can happen. And if it is happening, you need to adapt your writing to either better thrill your audience you are targeting or target a different audience, right? You you were targeting adults with your book and you found they didn't like it and tried targeting young adults. You may find that they like it better. The next thing that you need to consider is, does your book fail to deliver on its promise? Thomas? Yeah, so if your book promises to be an entertaining read, you know, the cover looks entertaining, the back cover copy says that this is a thrilling adventure, guess what? Your book has to be a thrilling adventure. If your book promises to answer your questions about childbirth, your book has to answer the questions about childbirth. This goes back to whether or not the book is a good book. If it's a quality book is um, you have to make a promise that people want, and then you have to deliver on that promise. So you either need to, how do you fix this? Either you need to change the promise <laughs> to one you can deliver on, or you need to rewrite the book so that it better delivers on its promise. Uh, and so I know, you know, we're going back to write a better book, but this is where that's, that's part of it. You have to deliver on that promise and the cover and the back cover is what makes the promise. So for our, our listener, Gerhardt, uh, the problem for him is not that the book is bad and that it's failing to deliver on its promise. Uh, because no one's buying it, right? It's not that uh, he had a bunch of sales and then it trickled away. That's not his problem. His problem is no one is buying it in the first place, which leads me to believe that the problem isn't actually with product market fit. It's actually with the second thing that can cause a book not to sell. And that is a broken funnel. Broken funnel. No, say it ain't so. So uh, imagine a funnel that's wide at the top and narrows to being narrow at the bottom. Uh, If your funnel is broken at any of the three points in the funnel, you're not going to get sales. 
And the th- so you may be like, well, what are the three parts of the funnel? Well, here's a hint. Readers buy from authors that they know, like, and trust. So how do you get people to know, like, and trust you? Well, you go through the three steps of the funnel. Attract, engage, and convert. Attract is the process of getting the attention of strangers, and it is the art of getting to people to know who you are. Engagement is getting people who know who you are to like you. So it's, that's where the like comes in. And then convert is where you get people who like you to trust you with their money. It's converting them from a fan into a customer. That's it. And uh, if we look back at what Gerhardt is doing with his marketing activities and why longtime listeners of the show who've heard us talk about the funnel uh, will probably have heard what was missing from that list. He's got great engagement activities. He's doing all of these things to engage his reader, he, readers. He's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. He's leaving Goodreads reviews. He's got Amazon or uh, emails and he's got a website. All of these things will, are about engaging readers. But that's step two of the funnel. All of those things won't be any good if no one is visiting the website. No, no, if no one reads the Goodreads review, if you don't already have fans, engaging them with a Goodreads review isn't going to help excite them. And so in our example here, it's very obvious that the piece that's missing is attraction and where strangers are finding out about Gerhardt's book. So What do we do? How do we fix the attraction problem? Well, uh, if you're listening the day this episode comes out, come to tonight's webinar with Chris Fox, where we talk about ads for authors who hate math. We'll have a link to the replay uh, here in the show notes uh, for those of you who are listening to this episode uh, later on. Uh, but advertising is the like fastest way of reaching strangers. You can reach strangers on Facebook. You can reach strangers on Amazon. We've been talking a lot about a- advertising recently. And this kind of problem is exactly where advertising is the solution. Now, advertising is not the solution if you have bad product market fit. If you have cover problems or your book is poorly written or the back cover copy is not engaging, advertising gets people to that page, but then they bounce and they leave. But if no one knows who you are, advertising just may be the solution that you're looking for. Uh, What are some other ways that we can attract attention, uh, Jim, other than advertising? Well, that's the thing, because a lot of people right now are going, "Uh, yeah, I don't I don't have uh, $50,000 or $5,000 or even $1,000 to advertise. So sorry, ads are not going to cut it for me. There are so many ways that you can advertise um, that cost you no money. And I guess Thomas and I would call this PR. And you can do your own PR. You can create a groundswell or a wave of attraction without spending any money. Yes, you will have to spend time. But if you're serious about this whole publishing thing, you're probably already, you're probably saying, I'm willing to do that. I just don't know where to do it. We do have an episode about doing your own PR and we will have that in the show notes as well. But essentially, I think Thomas, one of the best places to begin today is podcasts because there is an explosion of podcasts. Everyone's getting into it, which means a lot of these shows are always looking for guests, entertaining people who can come on and engage their audience in an entertaining way. And, and so that's probably the first place I would put focus is getting on podcasts. And we don't have time to go through uh, an entire uh, episode right now about how you make yourself attractive. But But, we will. It's coming. That episode is coming. coming. (laughs) That is coming. 
But I, I guess I want to make you think outside the normal box of I've got to advertise. So that means magazine ads, TV ads, radio ads for people who understand traditional media, or I've got to do Facebook ads. I've got to do this type of thing. Not necessarily. Remember the, for most authors, in case you don't know this, most authors will have their biggest sales bumps in their local area because people know them, they're connected to them. And so that's where I would start. I would start with libraries. I'd start with local bookstores. I'd start with everything from Kiwanis clubs to rotary clubs, to go into schools, to speak. There are so many opportunities out there if you're willing to do a little legwork. And again, we have a lot of episodes that, that cover these type of things, but if you're a new listener, I want to say you can make an impact. You really truly can. And I would call this what Jim's talking about, hand selling, which is where you're in person asking somebody to buy your book. And there's a lot of different places to do that. And the best place to do that is from the stage, right? So public speaking is another really good way to attract attention of strangers, right? Somebody's allowing you onto their stage. You're speaking at an event and there's lots of lots of events to speak at. Public speaking is a skill that you can learn. You can become a sought-after public speaker, and you can sell copies of the book in the back of the room. And you may find one speech sells more books than you know a thousand tweets, <laughs> and and that is not an exaggeration at how effective uh, public speaking uh, can be. And and it could be it could be Thomas as simple as and this is actually a, a real a, a real case example. I have a friend that became a massive bestseller, and here was his plan. He had books that were targeted to a fifth and sixth grader and he would go around to the schools all over the country and he'd come in. Hey, I'm going to do this. This is my talk. I'm not going to sell any books, but they will be available. I won't pitch them, but they will be available at the back of the room if kids want to buy them. And I'm going to come in and give this motivating, encouraging, wonderful talk. And so he sold massive hundreds of thousands of books doing this, just going around the country. Well, it takes a while to go around the country. Guess what happens? After he's covered most of the areas he wants to cover time to do it again, because two years has gone by and now it's all fresh kids. And so that's one example. Now I know that all uh, for a lot of you, well, I'm not selling to that age group, but I'm just giving you an example of something that seems so simple and yet can be so effective. And uh, as you speak, it doesn't have to be from the stage. It also can be from radio and TV. And again, I encourage you to listen to episode 175. We talk about doing your own PR. We're going to hopefully have some more episodes uh, related to this in the future. We know there's a lot of demand for PR related episodes and bringing in more experts and taking advantage of um, being on other people's platforms. The final thing is like guest blogging, writing a guest blog post for a popular blog can be a, a good way of attracting attention of strangers. And then the final thing I will say is a good way of getting attention from strangers is to spark a controversy. <laughs> if your <laughs> topic lends itself to controversy, nothing draws attention like controversy. So writing a blog um, can be a really good way of engaging people, but writing a controversial blog can be a really good way of attracting attention from strangers. You can have somebody who's actively reading your blog, very happy to come back over and over again, but they'll never tell anyone about it until you write a controversial post. And suddenly they're shouting from the rooftops. You got to read this post. What do you think? I, you know, I, everyone who disagrees with this post is wrong. And they're suddenly they become advocates for you. Uh, not all of these strategies work for every person. And some authors are afraid to put themselves out there. They don't want to be seen. They want to hide their face. They want to hide. And that core desire to hide is perhaps for that kind of author, 
their biggest enemy because writing is an act of leadership. And whether it's nonfiction or fiction, it's nonfiction. It's a new way of thinking that you're leading somebody into. If it's fiction, it's a whole new world you're leading them into. And you cannot hide and lead at the same time. You have to decide. Hmm. That's good, Thomas. You're either going to be out there and you're going to have your cup face on the book and you're willing to lead and come with all of the glory and challenges that comes with being a leader, or you can be a hider, but you can't do both. And, and Thomas, this is so good. Just real quick. Um, so many of you out there right now are going, oh, I relate to that. Well, you, I just want to say you're not alone. I couple weekends ago, I was the keynoter at, at a conference, at a writing conference, and I, I've spoken a lot over the years. And so you, you'd think I'd be used to it at this point. But there was half of me that loved being up there on stage, giving encouragement and telling stories. And there were, the other half was, I don't want to be up here. Can I just go downstairs and hide in a corner? So I just want to say you're not alone. You're not alone. That, that what Thomas is talking about is, is almost universal among writers. So embrace it, know that you can overcome it, and ultimately realize that this isn't about you. It's about what you can offer other people. That is really good. And the more that you embrace that, that it's not about you, the more free you'll be to promote it without feeling guilty. And do realize that we are here. Like that's what this podcast is for to help you with this process. So we've given kind of the strategy, right? Attract, engage, convert. Each one of our episodes are about one of those. And some tactics will do multiple things. It attracts, it engages, and it converts all at the same time, potentially some of the more um, popular techniques like advertising actually can attract, engaging, and convert like Amazon ads, right? Complete stranger can go from stranger to customer and you know, a two minute process, which is why they're so expensive, right? Because that's a really fast path, uh, but it's also a very powerful path. But that's what this podcast is here for. It's to help you along the way. If this is scary, if it's difficult, um, there, it, we're here to help you. And there's a lot to learn and we're here uh, to teach you. And if you're wanting even more help, we actually have something that gives you even more help. And that leads us into our sponsor today, which is the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author. This is a plan that hundreds of our listeners are going through right now. And they're at different stages. Some people are on year three or four. Some uh, listeners are starting right at the beginning. And it was handcrafted to help you each quarter for five years to know exactly what you need to be doing that quarter to move you the fastest path possible to becoming a best-selling author. It's not you know, a get published quick scheme. It is a lot of work, but at least it's the right work. You're working on the right things and you're working on them in the right order. And there's an exclusive uh, Facebook group just for students of the five-year plan that you get access to. So you're with other authors who are taking this seriously and who are really wanting to grow in their craft as well. You can listen to other people who are going through the same journey as you are. You can get encouragement. You can get questions answered. And we really do encourage you to check out that course. The price is going to be going up again. Um, probably towards the end of the year, we're going to uh, raise the price again, or maybe the, the beginning of the next year. Uh, so now is the time to get it. We priced it way wrong. And our longtime <laughs> listeners know that we've been slowly fixing it. Uh, but uh, um, one more thing about the five-year plan, patrons get 50% off. So it's well worth it to become a novel marketing patron first. And you can find out about both the plan and becoming a patron at novelmarketing.com. 
patreon.com. Uh, speaking of patrons, Jim, who's our featured patron today? Our featured patron today is Eloise White, and she's written Soul Inspirations. And when you read this book, you'll gain a deeper understanding and relationship with Jesus as you, as you trust him to be your confident healer and life-giving friend. And if you'd like to check out Eloise's book, we will have a link in the show notes. Thomas, I want to talk to you about something that's going on in your life. Well, <laughs> in your wife's life, even more than you. Can I say that? <laughs> yes, we have an announcement. Um, we have a, a little Christmas present that is coming sometime in December. We are expecting a baby Number two, and my wife and I were at the um, doctor yesterday. Uh, we got, we're at the 12 week sonogram and it was incredible. Like seeing my baby on the sonogram, like it had its little hands and little arms and it, it like woke up halfway through. So it was like all snuggled in, all, all happy. And then it started like kicking and punching and it was just so cute. Anyway, I'm uh, very excited, a little scared. This is baby two, uh, really fast after baby one. Um, but, uh, very excited as well. And excited to, uh, announce uh, that to all of you. We took a photo of mercy with a Santa hat on and a big, I'm a big sister shirt posted on Facebook today. Uh, and, uh, we, we will have that photo in the show notes. If you want to see a photo of, uh, of mercy with, with a Santa hat, we'll have that photo in there. And, uh, yeah, thank you all uh, so much for listening. You have been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Humstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing, offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.